that's the first thing I said, and it's the last thing I will say. A good customer story is, is worth more than an army of salespeople. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast with me, your host, Sam Shepler. The State of Customer Storytelling is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps over 300 B2B software companies easily create stunning video testimonials that close deals faster. You can view examples and find out more at testimonialhero.com. Today on the show, we have a fantastic guest, Robert Vanderploim, Lifecycle Marketing Manager at Permutive. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. And just to kind of dive right in, why does customer advocacy and customer storytelling matter so much right now, like, you know, more than ever? Yeah, I think customer stories matter so much right now. It's, it's the, the most important thing to basically be that thought leadership and get your message out there. Customer stories will be better than the biggest army of salespeople you can have if you have a powerful customer story. A powerful customer story helps you build a relationship with that customer. And also, if you consider it as being more than just that, that case study on one page, you can actually consider it as a campaign and help your customer get that story out there. And by doing so, yeah, it's just fantastic to see customer ambassadors going out and, and basically uh, telling your story. And it really helps, like I said, from a sales point of view and also really from customer relation point of view. Tell me more about that campaign idea, because that sounds a bit different and a bit more sort of like a new evolution. Yeah, tell me more about what do you mean by that and what have you been doing at Permutive around thinking more broadly in taking this more campaign approach? Yeah, we really, we really uh, noticed that it's sometimes hard to get a customer to consider to uh, consider a case study or consider sharing a success story with the whole wide world. Actually, admitting that they work with you and that they are happy with your services is not because they are not happy. It's just uh, it, it's sometimes a bit scary. So I think what we figured out at Permitive and many others have is that uh, going out to a customer and and asking for a case study shouldn't be considered as asking for a favor. I think the best thing you can do, and what's really worked for us, is going to the customer and saying, actually, we see that you have an amazing story to share. Really happy to see how, how well it's going. If you allow us, we can help actually help you share that story. And you know what? Doing this case study with us will also bring you opportunities when it comes to speaking slots at industry events. We can host a webinar for you. We can Go to our press contacts and make sure that you that this case study gets launched through an exclusive at one of the trade media that your customers care about. So seeing a case study uh, beyond that one page or beyond that collateral that you share with your salespeople that they can bring up in their calls, it's really about seeing it as you're being part of their marketing team for a little while and helping them share that story. And that really uh, coming to customers with that story, with a campaign story, really delivers very well. And a lot more customers are excited to get involved, if you, you, you can imagine. That makes a ton of sense. And so I'm curious, does that also limit the 
type of customers who are like kind of have a story that's really fleshed out enough or, you know, successful enough to kind of warrant that sort of campaign. How do you sort of think about that? I'd imagine it's like there's always a variety of success stories. Some of them are more are, are fantastic, but maybe a little bit less quantifiable. How do you think about like the ones that get sort of elevated to be put through that this campaign approach or can it be any story really yeah i think i think we've started to to take another step and really connect to our salespeople and ask them in their experiences in in the last sales cycles like okay what are the kind of case studies that you feel like you're missing or what we should have more of and i think if we if we hear any of those stories come to us from our customer success team saying, hey, these customers are actually working in this space, then they would be bumped up the priority list, let's say. It doesn't mean that we would actually say no. Like uh, it, when, when customers, you're right, like when customers heard about this campaign idea, more and more customers would reach out to us and say like, hey, could we do something together? What we can also consider is sometimes when there's a smaller story, it could be something that's quite common across a few publishers. Then we would say, hey, would you actually like to be part of a story that we would get more publishers involved? In this, sorry, I mentioned publishers because they are customers. Get more customers involved and create a case study that revolves not on this particular customer, but like three or four of them and really put that out there as, as their campaign and getting representatives from all customers involved. So that's another route we can take. What we can also do is when there's a success story is to say, hey, in this case, we have to prioritize. We're not creating a case study, a full-fledged case study and campaign around this. But you know what? Uh, we actually have a panel coming up or we have, we actually see that this trade, bar, this trade media really wants to write about this. Shall we make a connection? So we also, we're always quite careful, especially when customers come to us about what we could offer. But there are, uh, I think, most importantly, like, what is the sales organization asking for? Secondly, as well, like, could this, if it's a smaller thing, could it be part of a bigger thing where more customers can involve? Or could we, could we have certain elements of that campaign that could be value valuable for them right now? That makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned, you know, understanding what the sales organization is asking for. Tell me more about how you think about, you know, the, the strategy, right? For these customer stories, it's obviously understanding the priorities from sales. But what else are you thinking about when you're planning out the year or the quarter and thinking about the different personas or use cases that you want to prioritize for these stories? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is really our content pillars. So each quarter we work, uh, we have a company goal and then uh, a company mission. And our content and leadership teams work together uh, to really figure out what the content pillars are for that quarter. And we, we really focus on those, like, uh, and to really make sure that thought leadership that's, that's written up or, uh, panel slots that we have at, uh, at events and also the customer stories we share should really come together. Uh, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's sometimes it's like, um, when you, when you as a marketer, um, a customer, a marketer get tired of, of a certain storyline, that's, that's probably the right amount. Then probably you've talked about it, but only if you get tired of it, because, uh, salespeople are, I think it's really interesting that salespeople are often a group that, uh, are asking for a lot of new stuff all the time. Like, can we have a new story? Can we have something innovative? 
but it's really up to us as marketeers to say, okay, these are the quality goals and we should hammer this message home. Um, and so that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind about how we set the strategy when it comes to these stories. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I think of the sort of, there's that expression around like, you know, don't peanut butter your, you know, energy around, right. It's like the same with your, your content strategy. It's like, don't just, you know, peanut butter it around in all different areas. You like, as you said, like you, it's important to understand like, what are the stories and, and really, you know, hammer, hammer those home. Um, that, that, that's awesome. I know you also have a lot of experience with customer advisory boards. Um, you know, I, maybe we can just start and I, you know, if you want to give your kind of background, you know, set the scene, you know, what's your, what is your experience in customer advisory boards and, and why are customer advisory boards something that you are, you know, passionate about? Yeah, I think uh, customer advisory boards, um, I think the first thing that got me really excited about them is someone on the customer success side of the business at Primitive mentioned to me that um, she had experience with customer advisory boards at previous companies. And she mentioned like, it's so surprising to me, Rob, but at Permitive, we have our customer success managers have weekly chats with our customers. There's a quarterly, obviously QBR, and there are many other customer events or touch points. But the customer advisory board is such a unique event where all the feedback is centered around product roadmap and it's, it's about future facing feedback in a weird way. And it's, it's one of those things that is really is product and product marketing led. And that makes it really exciting. It's really about achieving buy-in from your customers. It's about building relationships and checking whether you are doing the right thing. And by achieving buy-in, having like an amazing pool of people that are willing and are excited to try out new features and new platforms of, of, of the product. When I heard that, it's like, hey, I want to create this event, this situation where we can get this unique kind of feedback and this unique experience that we won't have if we just keep doing the weeklies and the quarterlies. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting and it's really top of mind uh, as, as an, uh, another uh, customer advisory board meeting is just around the corner. So I'm really excited. And in terms of when you have those, all of those customers in one place, incredibly valuable for so many reasons, as you mentioned, are you also thinking about content creation opportunities at that time as well? I'm curious, curious how you think about that opportunity of having all of your best customers in person. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. I'm always a fan of like a Vox Pop. I think we, we call it here, meaning I'm speaking to you from London. I'm not sure if that resonates across your entire audience, but I do like it at customer events, either announced before or not announced. You grab people, you stick them in front of a camera and you, you ask them some, some good questions. And obviously our customers have amazing stories to share. At the customer advisory boards, there is definitely going to be moments for, for those Vox Pops where we actually ask people either in written form or on video to share after they've immersed themselves in the day or a specific session, like, okay, what's your feeling? What do you actually took away from this session? And otherwise as well, like, I think it's really, really cool that we'll, a part of it as well, that we have fun activities that because it's two and a half days, uh, so we'll have hard work, but we'll also have uh, an amazing dinner and we'll do a fun activity together so we can really see the other side as well. And we'll make sure that's 
plenty of videos and photos of that. But to be fair, I think this is really important to, to communicate well because whatever happens in the advisory board during the advisory board meeting is on the NDA for us. We don't want them to speak open and freely. Uh, these are customers that are frenemies. So you want to make sure that that's, that's just a stage between them. There's definitely conversations at the customer advisory board that will happen about around us permitting working with a customer at future big temple events. So the interesting thing is that conversation will start about communication. We'll, we'll start about what we can do, which activations we can, we can work on together. And just an in-person moment like that will really help. It's interesting you mentioned that, you know, the customers are, you know, frenemies, right? And I think that's a situation that a lot of people kind of struggle with or just have to navigate. It sounds like you have created a really good environment where people can communicate openly and have candid conversations. Any tips you can share or, or things that you've learned around having just like a that honest, authentic, open discussion, even when there might be a couple of people who are frenemies in terms of semi-competitive solutions out there? I think, first of all, is uh, eat your own dog food. So basically, be as transparent and open as you can be yourself. That's where it starts. So we want to share interesting things about how Permitive is doing. They will see stuff on the roadmap or stuff in production that no one else knows. They will hear our doubts. They will hear our challenges. And they will hear what, what's going well. I think that's where it starts. And secondly, uh, make sure that you have in your CAP meeting, in your customer advisory board meeting, in your agenda, make sure you have open slots with just like free talk, open talk, free discussion. I think that the mistake that you could make is just to make sure that because you feel like you're out there, so every half hour should be fully booked and you know exactly, and it should be really like a lot of presenting, a lot of talking to customers but sometimes you just have to shut up and make sure you have plenty of space for them to talk about whatever they want to talk about so i think those two things are most important in creating that open open atmosphere that's such such a good point you mentioned video and talking about case studies how do you think about the different sort of you know mediums or formats of capturing customer stories for marketing purposes written case studies, video testimonials, third-party review sites. Yeah, how, how do you think about sort of balancing all of these different formats when you're setting your strategy and thinking about achieving your content team's goals? Great question. At the moment, the case study is in a written form. Then we also create video, uh, short video testimonials with the customer that we mostly use on social and for paid campaigns uh, online. And basically those, those videos, those short videos, the link to them would let, lead to the written case study that people can read. So we use it as more of like a teaser or something to pull people in. And that, that works really well for us on LinkedIn and Twitter, which are the, both are the two channels we use most often for our B2B audience in media and advertising. So it's written plus, plus videos for social. And basically, the third, the third format you mentioned, you mentioned another thing. Uh, yeah, third part, like uh, third party review sites. Of course, yeah. So basically, we invest quite a lot of time in, uh, in the G2 crowd, which is basically our, our main review site that we went for. So B2B review site. 
And we have a strategy where we reach out to, we basically track customer health, customer satisfaction. So we have this amazing, obviously, not rocket science, we have this traffic light system that a lot of people use. At the beginning of every quarter, we communicate, we sit down with the customer success team and we reach out to those green accounts, ask them if they could leave a review on, on G2 Crowd. doesn't matter to us whether they give us, whether it's an and a perfect review or, or not a perfect review will obviously reward them with, with a decent voucher for Amazon or another, another platform that they can choose. So, and that's working quite well. I think with G2 Crowd, since early this year, we um, got a bit more closer to them and we're actually now in a partnership as you can get more out of it. It's, it's really quite interesting because they built these matrices and you could be like the winter or the spring uh, some will fall leader within your category, and it's something that we, we take quite seriously. Uh, in, in more and more RFIs that we receive from, from prospects, there is an ask about G2 Crowd or other websites. So it's fantastic, and that customers are willing to do that. So yeah, we definitely focus, uh, focus on that as well. Definitely worthwhile. And I know you also mentioned when we were chatting earlier, the Global Customer Newsletter. Tell me a little bit more about that. What is the global customer newsletter at Permutive and how do you leverage it? How do you think about using it and, and segmenting it and, and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So the global customer newsletter is, is really an opportunity for us to do a couple of things. So first of all, celebrate our customers in the news. So we, we make a point of obviously scouring all the trade media that we are in contact with. And if, if there's a top story of one of our customers, we want to make sure that they are celebrated and we send it out to all our customers through that newsletter. So that's one thing we want to do. We also want to mention where we are in the news. It's even better if, if we're in an article where we're both, where customer and primitive is mentioned, but that's what we go for. So I think industry news, most importantly, customer news and primitive news, that's something we want to collate and, and get the top stories out there. Second big, big thing that we want to push for that are product updates. So updates to our products and platforms. It's one of the mediums that we use. We, uh, if it's a big product update, we would send a dedicated email out to all our customers just about the product update. We'll make sure that it's that we have a story, a deck that gets sent out to all our customer success managers so they can bring it up in their weeklies and their quarterlies. So it's never just a single, the single medium we go for, but it's an important one. The newsletter is important for that. So we get some big tick there. Two other things. We also want to basically talk about the biggest events that are upcoming. We organize custom only events, which is a big, big part of our customer marketing. And we want to make sure that people all, uh, know what's coming, uh, whether they can register through the newsletter or we tell them that they can expect to save the date or invite soon. And the last thing that we want to share is bigger is resources. So that goes beyond articles, goes beyond trade media. It's, it's often a case study or a white paper or a research paper we did with, for example, the likes of Forrester or trade media. So yeah, it's really, it's, it starts with like the industry news, product updates, events, and the resources, which really we collate together and, and send out to all our customers. What's really great is that we can track obviously click-through rates, which stories our customers really interacting with, but also they can, at the end of the email, we borrow this from, from many Google emails that you receive, is that we ask people whether this was helpful or not, and we can actually get some qualitative feedback on the new setup as well, so beyond the click, let's say. 
And that's really how we, how we currently are using the newsletter. Many other plans around newsletters, especially one that's focused on the whole wide world and, and getting, uh, getting people signed up. But for now, I think the global customer newsletter is, is something that we're evolving and working on, but we, th- we find it to be quite helpful. Hmm. Yeah, I can, I can see how that, that would help a lot. And circling back to the, the customer health system and the stoplight system. So I think a lot of chat, you know, a surprising challenge I think a lot of marketing teams run into is actually identifying which customers to, to ask for a, you know, something like a video testimonial or a case study review, obviously a little bit less of an ask. So it's like, relatively easier maybe you can share any tips on like in addition to aligning on the strategy and like making sure you're prioritizing the right types of personas based on the sales needs how do you actually kind of functionally figure out okay like here are the customers that are sort of available and here's the like the short list kind of building that prospect list of like okay we we want to get 10 customer stories this year video and written case study Maybe we need to build a prospect list of a bit more than that. How do you actually go about that on your team? So the, the customer health uh, score is there from the customer success team. So uh, it's the customer health expresses their happiness with the product. So that's a really important one. Secondly, I think what we definitely look at is the maturity of the customer and, and the product adoption. So you basically look at the life cycle. Like people need to be uh, at a stage where they are past the onboarding, past the st- like, there's a few milestones within our life cycle. One of them is that customers have used our platform and our functionality to, to basically win a new customer on their end. And that for us is a milestone to be like, okay, this is, they're now at a level where we can actually start considering them for the stories. So if customer health, those stories, the third thing that comes to mind is that we also keep track of uh, an engagement score with marketing materials from customers. So that, that's, that's loose, that's, that's not connected to the customer health, but we track engagement from customers with our newsletter, with our gifting, with our events, with the, the downloads for all the content we have. So the marketing materials and the, and the other activities, that delivers a score as well. So it's really when you build that matrix and you look at the health score, you look at the maturity and the product adoption, and you look at the engagement with marketing materials, if you line those four up, you basically can get to your top list quite quickly and quite clearly. And then the final tweak, the most important tweak would really be, be, okay, what are the content pillars again, what I spoke about and which customers could be, we should reach out first with a full campaign idea. And that's how we would go about it. That makes a ton of sense. Cross-referencing the the data with those kind of strategic content pillars. And then that gives you the answer essentially. You know, you mentioned the campaigns and making it valuable for them, which is such a good point. Maybe you can share a little bit of around, like, what does that ask sort of sound like? Who's making that ask? Is it like the, is it the customer success manager or in like, what is the tone and the framing of it? Because I think that is something that a lot of people would like to implement, but a lot of people I think are still at the asking for a favor stage, right? And that's fine. But I think it'd be great to hear how you're framing it and like, who does it come from? Does it come from multiple people, et cetera? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think a primitive made the choice that uh, it actually, like, obviously we, we don't communicate to customers without getting the buy-in and, and make sure the customer success manager of that customer is in the know. But it actually comes from either the customer marketing team or the content team, because then it feels like a different approach. It feels like, oh, actually, Permative has a different team that is going to work with me now and making sure that get, this get out, gets out there. So I would actually be in favor of working with your customer success team, but for you to start that communication. So that's a great way. And then basically we have, I, I think, really thinking about what, they want to get out of it, again, not thinking about a favor, is your campaign should help your customer reach their customers. So think about who your customers' customers are and think about how you can help them get there. And I think depending on how big and how much of a change, uh, how, how much of a showstopper this case study could be for your sales team, you could even think about paid campaigns. Like I really think that it shouldn't be off the table. But uh, fortunately, we have many good contacts within trade media. And if you do, I think this is really important where you can actually work with your PR and content team. So basically reaching out to trade media and saying, hey, we have this amazing case study. Uh, the trade media jumps on it because our customer's customer is reading those trade media. And that's what you think about. And that's how you also write the case study. The case study shouldn't, should be insightful for the customer's customer. And that's what the story should be about. Those are your audience. So in a, in a weird way, the case study convinces more companies like your customers to join if you write well for their customers. And I know, that, I, I guess that makes sense. So that's how we, how we would go about it. Utilize your press contacts, utilize your own events as well. So it's, it's really great. The response we get to, if we say to the customers, we are going to put on like a bespoke webinar for you. We're going to work together on getting this out there to your customers and we drive promotion and we will make sure that you uh, uh, you basically get the most out of that. So those are a couple of things that we've really put in place and we started thinking about to move away from the favor stage. And you mentioned uh, also gifting a little earlier. I'm curious, you know, where does gifting fit into all this and what have you learned from your experience with gifting, be it seasonal gifting campaigns or gifting throughout the kind of case study process as a thank you or whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. So I think both of them are really important. We, I think it's really exciting to, to work on seasonal campaigns. Also very exciting to, to look at your life cycle for your customers and think about gifting around milestones. One little tip, if you don't do that yet. I think it's great. There are platforms out there, or if you have developers in-house, they can actually create, uh, if you send out a gift uh, for thank you or seasonal campaign, give people options. Just don't don't go out there and send everyone a bottle of champagne for multiple reasons. It's nice to have options because you can choose where you like. And also not everyone likes an alcoholic option. And you should, even though I like them, uh, you should really cons- uh, consider that. And so I have a really good experience. We changed over to working with a direct marketing platform. They create landing pages so people have up to, like, up to as many choices as you'd like. Say we had lost end of year, we had six choices. One of those choices was actually the opportunity for customers to donate to a charity of their choice. And that was really something that people really responded well to. People, of course, people went for the champagne and for the non-alcoholic option, for the sweets, for the chocolates, all that stuff. 
but a lot, like a big percentage, I think up to 20% went for a donation to charity. And those were the people who were most vocal about thanking us for a gift, even though they were in a way giving it away. So that's something that I'm really, uh, really happy with. That is such a good uh, point. And as we come to a close, anything else, Robert, that I should have asked you or you wanted to share tips, biggest things that are on your mind when it comes to all things customer marketing, customer advocacy? The one thing that, that, that comes to mind and I'm really excited about, but we should uh, chat again in a year, is basically around customer education and certification and how you can utilize and you can work with customers to actually build content that could be helpful for new customers that are coming in as you onboard them. And even when you build courses that are for your entire industry and the customers get really excited because it means that they are also in front of not only their peers, but, but other players in the market. I think it's, there's, there's a real goldmine there when it comes to the customer success stories as part of education and training plus certification. There's really a goldmine there when it comes to a quicker route to value, a quick onboarding because customers know how they, they speak the language of the customers so they can help on board. There's really also a goldmine when it comes to prospecting and sales will be happy because you can even share those customer stories in those trainings and get people to sign up. This is the first thing I said and it's the last thing I will say. A good customer story is, is worth more than an army of salespeople. So you can do so much. I love that. That's such a great place to, to end it. Uh, Robert, where can people get in touch with you if they want to connect or just have any questions for you? Yeah, sure. So uh, my first name, Robert, with double B. So Robert at Permitive.com. Fantastic. Well, this was an absolute pleasure. Uh, appreciate your time today and really excited to you know reconnect in a year from now and see what else you've learned. Absolutely. Let's do that. Alrighty, folks, that was another fantastic episode with Robert Vanderploim. So many great takeaways there. We talked a lot about customer advisory boards and gifts. We also talked about grabbing those Vox Pops at your customer advisory board. Some of my biggest takeaways, honestly, from Robert were his thoughts around evolving the way that, that we work with case studies, you know, making it so it's, it's not really just a favor. It's a real two way exchange of value and giving customers press opportunities, events opportunities and, you know, huge value and, and really thinking, as he called it, more about it as a campaign, just a really transformative shift in perspective that I think is absolutely the future of customer stories. We also had some really good takeaways on how to communicate openly in a customer advisory board when naturally some of your customers might be frenemies and saving time for open-ended discussion. And, and it starts with you, you know, it starts with you being open, right? In the first place, we talked about, you know, how they track customer health with the stoplight system. And another one of my big Big takeaways was just the kind of the framework and the mindset for cross-referencing the you know customer health and milestones and engagement score with, with uh, marketing content with the content pillars. So you can sort of on the identification side, you can really understand you know where your all your customers are at with these metrics. You can pull from your CRMs and your customer success platform 
And then you also want to also align with the strategy, right? Because like you need both. And that was, you know, I love the way that Robert described that. Just a fantastic episode. Definitely uh, look forward to having Robert on. Uh, again, I'm Sam Shepler with Testimonial Hero, and we'll see you in the next episode.